Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a two episode week for you this week. We are going to do our NFL midseason report and the NFL picks later in the week. But today, we're going to check in with the Sky Guys, Pete Casadori, Nick Frietta. We're going to do season three of Star Wars Rebels, break it all down, plus take a look at the trailer for Book of Boba Fett, get our thoughts on that. That is coming up right after this. Ezra Bridger is tempted by the dark side. Grand Admiral Thrawn plots to take down the Phoenix Squadron. Sabine Wren makes a big decision and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels. All right, we are back here on the Sky Guys talking Season number 3 of Star Wars Rebels. We are almost through the journey we started at the beginning of this year. Joining me today... The man whose voice you just heard in our introduction here, Pete Considori. Pete, how are you? I can't believe it's November already. Yep. I mean, this we're, we're done with season three. We got one more season left, the Rebels, and then we're on to Book of Boba. So uh, it's been an incredible Star Wars journey this year. And uh, as always, always excited to talk Star Wars. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun talking Star Wars. And with us also today, and he is right now, I will. I've been calling him the... First was the Ahsoka Tano to Arcane and Jarrus and Ezra Bridger, but I don't know who the appropriate comparison is, Nick Frieda. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. And, you know, it's funny that Pete mentioned how this year's going because I was thinking about it like an hour before the recording. I'm thinking, wow, we've been doing this. How many seasons? So seven of Clone Wars plus the movie, that's eight. It's the rankings of the movies, that's nine. And three of these, we saw 11 times now we've had a Sky Guys podcast and it's, I know we're going to keep going after season four, but still seems weird that we're almost done with this journey of the rewatch for me. And, you know, the first time watch for you guys, like going back. And it's crazy to think how, you know, pretty much a year ago was like when we did that first Mandalorian recap one. And it's like, or the last Mandalorian one. And it's like, you know, I can't believe it's almost over. Yeah. It's been over a year since you had live action Star Wars. It's coming back soon. Excited about that. We'll get to that at the end of the show, though. We're going to start with season three of Star Wars Rebels. It, this is the last 22-episode season here. And, Nick, I'll start with you this time. Give me your general thoughts on season number three. I like three a lot. I think it's, as of now, you know, we haven't got to four yet, but as of now, the most consistent season. I don't think there's really that many. There's a few, but there's not that many bad episodes. Everything's pretty good. I don't think we hit the highs that we hit in season two, but I don't think anything's wrong with the season. It's a great season. Great episodes and great arcs. Yeah, Pete, what do you think about what we've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I hate to just just say I agree, but Nick pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is a consistent season so far, most consistent. Um, there were a couple arcs or a couple episodes. I kind of just thought they were filler and just didn't really need to be there, or they were just thrown in and forgotten about for a couple episodes, and then they kind of called back to it. So there was a little bit of jumping there. But um, overall, maybe not, like Nick was saying, the highest of highs like we had season two, but 
very good and very consistent season. Yeah, I will say it's definitely, I think season two had higher highs than this one did, but the there were fewer pitfalls here, I think, there were in season two. We had no space whales in this season, Pete. There was nothing that bad. Uh, we got close. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, but yes, at least there were no space whales. Yeah, no more space whales. And we'll start, I want to start with some of the big picture storylines here. I thought one of the interesting through lines, Nick, in the first half of the season was we had the pickup from season two of Ezra flirting with the dark side for, say, a good half the season. It takes until about episode 11 for him to really break malt all in. What do you think about that, seeing him trying to toy with using the dark side to try and accomplish his goals? I like that. You know, they had to have some conflict with the main character. You can't just have him be naive learner the whole time he has to have some sort of conflict in him and that was a good thing to bring into him you know the whole mall thing and uh i was really impressed with especially the opening scene but the season in general up but especially the opening scene with ezra he seems to have grown a lot between season two and season three you know yes he cut the hair i don't think that has that much to do with it but he grew up he seems like, you know, he's, he's kind of see how we saw with Ahsoka. It's kind of like the same with him. They stepped to a little bit of a less extreme. Yeah, Pete, what do you think about seeing Ezra here step up into more of a leadership role? Because obviously in season two with Kanan getting blinded, he's not really as active at the beginning of the season. He starts seeing Ezra leading more mission. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I think, like Nick was saying, it's almost kind of like a parallel to Ahsoka Tano. Um, but I, I will say this, it... I don't want to say it was abrupt, but we went from a know-it-all kind of Padawan one season to automatically, here's my leadership, I'm leading in missions. And I'm not saying that there that transition was not supposed to happen eventually. It was just weird to see in one moment Ezra's making all the wrong decisions when Maul is kind of seducing him to do what he wants him to do, right? Or uh, um, open the holocron to leading missions and also being so independent that he's using the holocron to get stronger because Kanan kind of took a step back as he was a little mopey about, you know, him being blind and everything. So it was just a weird transition to me because I think we watched the seasons back to back. I'm not sure how long chronologically in the regular world, uh, Nick, you might have that information, six months, six months. So that's a big gap that if we were watching it on tv it would make sense okay six months have gone by in our time one year two years in in the showtime makes a little more sense it's actually uh, six months in both in, in both. real time and in the showtime okay so so i mean that that helps i mean obviously keeping thing everything consistent yeah. but since we watched things back to back it was just like a jump it was like i'm making all the wrong decisions listening to them all i'm still this kind of know-it-all padawan apprentice to I'm leading my own mission now. First episode. It was just a very big jump. There was no like, Hey, you know, we didn't like what you did with mall, you know, three episodes in let's give you a try running your first mission, you know? Yeah. So that jump was a little weird, but, but, but overall, I mean, I, I liked how the mall and Ezra dynamic was the entire season. I, I don't think I have any complaints on that arc throughout all the episodes whatsoever. And I, and I, I appreciate that they kept it going and they didn't just make it like a two or three episode arc and then left it alone. Yeah, let's go to the Maul path of it because Maul is like, he's a presence throughout the season. Like, he's not in every episode, but he's in enough where you know he's in the background doing things. I thought it was interesting, Pete, also, like, that again, we got Maul trying to go through his own storyline, find out what's going on with the Holocron, and then 
we find out he gets distracted by Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan ends up being his undoing. I thought that was a fascinating way to see the character go. I, I think it was fitting, obviously, because Obi-Wan was the first person to um, defeat him, quote unquote. Obviously, we find out in Clone Wars he's not dead. But to see, you know, Darth Maul go back to, excuse me, Maul, I correct myself, to see him go back to, you know, Darth Amir to talk about um, his upbringing, his home planet, uh, all the way to finding Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, uh, you know, at the very, very end, you know, spoiler alert, asking Obi-Wan, is he really the chosen one like Maul saw in the holocron that Darth Vader was the chosen run that that finally the Empire will come to an end. Um, And it was weird, though, because the Rebels and Maul have different uh, what's motives, right? Maul's just pissed that he got kicked out and now he was left alone. He wanted to get revenge on the Empire. The Rebels didn't like what the Empire were doing to, to the galaxy, so obviously it makes sense they were fighting back. They both had a common goal. They both wanted the Empire to fall, but for way totally different motives. Yeah, Nick, what's about the end of Mr. Maul's journey here? I think it was very fitting. But, you know, actually, until just now, I always thought when he asked to see the Chosen One, he met Luke. So that's, now that you think about it, I guess it was Vader he was talking about. Because it always got me confused. Like, why are they calling Luke the Chosen One now? Maybe at that time they thought Vader was long gone and it's going to be Luke. But no, it's a good point. But it was a fitting end. It was a perfect end to Maul. And the one thing that it just kind of made me laugh, I don't know if it was bad, if it was good, but I feel like they, they, the season would go, you'd have a Maul episode, you know, uh, the one where um, they found, you know, the, the, they said the, 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 it was Kenobi, right? Yeah. Which one came first where they found Kenobi or they found the planet? I think Kenobi, right? I think the the planet, because they went to Dathmere first and then they ignite the holograms. They find the planet. And then six episodes go by, and then the episode starts, and it's all right. Let's check in on Maul again. It's just kind of funny, like they're doing all these other things, but this is just—they're not even—they don't even think about it. And it's like, oh yeah, this is really important. Let's go check back, check back in on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's think one thing I want to throw in here is that also the fight between Maul and Obi Wan, which I thought was fun because you're expecting, oh, it's this big epic brawl because it's their last showdown, and then. It's over in 30 seconds because Maul outsmarts Obi-Wan. I thought that was definitely a fun way to end that fight, Pete. I I agree. What would have made that fight even better is that if Obi-Wan chopped him in half again. <laughs> that, that like, I understand it was like a kid's show or like an animated show, so they probably couldn't get that graphic. But what would have really just made the icing on the cake for me is if cut him clean in half again and it finally just in Obi-Wan's arms, he passes there and then that's it. You know you know, Maul's dead. Uh, but yeah, I think it was really great. I think the whole part where Obi-Wan tells Ezra to go away and even Maul's like, yeah, that's fine. This is between you and me. It just kind of showed the motive of Maul throughout probably even Clone Wars, right? I mean, I think he was talking about this through Clone Wars as well. And we finally get that resolution now. Um, very fitting. Very, very cool scene. Yeah. So I had mentioned to this, to you, Mike, off the air, I want to bring this up to you, Pete, was a lot of people feel that fight was extremely underwhelming because nothing really happened and it was really short. But as I said to Mike off the air is, I don't know if you noticed, but this fight is a lot more about Obi-Wan's brains than his physical ability at this point. And the reason Maul dies 
is he tries the exact same move that he did on Qui-Gon Jinn in episode one, that he hit him in the chin and then killed him. And Obi-Wan knew it was coming immediately and countered it. And that's how, and like, so his own cockiness, I guess, how you could how you say is his downfall. And that's what made the fight so good was there's nothing to do with how Obi-Wan's so powerful at his age. He's, he's only, he's only like 50 to be honest, but he looks like he's like 75, but it's about how smart he's become over time and how, you know, how wise he is. It's definitely yeah. a good, good point. I also want to point out, Nick, I thought it was interesting that we get that moment where, like, Obi-Wan's comforting Maul as he dies, or Disney shows you that, like, Obi-Wan is the much better man, like, by far, of anybody we've seen in this show or these movies, because, like, even though Maul, like, basically made his life living hell, he killed his master, he killed his love interest, like, uh, not just the team way back when, and he tried to basically go after him for years, that now he's, you know, he's dying, he gives him comfort as he dies. That was a very nice touching moment from Obi-Wan. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it was a fitting end. And you see, like, yeah, see how we like, you know, when they close the eyeballs, yeah. like they do, like kind of like rest in peace kind of thing. Yep. I found it I found it interesting that Maul got better treatment than Anakin. Yeah. That Anakin was was blatantly doing the wrong thing and was going straight to the path of evil, but Obi-Wan was just like, Yeah, I'll I'll let you burn. I'm out. See you later. It's also tw- got- twenty years have oh. basically passed since then, also. So maybe oh, yeah. I, there's there's totally character development there. I just found it funny that like Maul coming after him just because he has this vendetta versus someone who was like a brother to him, right? Shows the the character development of Obi-Wan. But I just also found it funny that he was just like, you know, holding Maul in his arms, like, yeah. you know, red easy, you know, you I respect your fight. Yeah. But with Anakin, it's like, nah, you can burn. I gotta go help your wife. See yeah. you later. It's always been one of my um problems, I guess, for lack of a better word with Star Wars or continuity issues with Star Wars is Obi-Wan's only like 50 something. He looks like like Alec Guinness is how old at the time. I don't even know if he's much how old he is, but he looks like he's like 75, almost 80. Yeah. I, I, I it just didn't add up how Obi- Ewan McGregor is like the character looks like he's, I don't know, late thirties. And then all of a sudden he's like 90. Yeah, I'm going to try and look that up real quick because I'm trying to see. They out. say the reason why is because when you have the two sons on Tatooine, you age twice as fast. But if that's the case, why doesn't Luke look 40? <laughs> well, it, right. I mean, even even the, the aunt and uncle. Yeah. And that's another thing is the Luke kind of thing is always kind of weird to me. Like in this, you saw Luke at the end of that episode running when they're saying, Luke, you know, dinner, he's running. That kid looks like he's nine years old. Luke's supposed to be like 17. Yeah, I looked it up. Basically, in 1977, Allegan's is 63 years old. So you go back a year or two of his films. He's like 61 when they're filming this thing. Okay, he's 61, and the character age in the movie is 57. So he's he's, he's right about there. Not terribly, but, but does he look that age? The looks doesn't don't help that. No. Don't help that at all. But again. It, not to say that we're nitpicky, but we're the ones that would point that out, right? I mean, the average you know watcher of Star Wars is probably not going to be like, oh, well, this person didn't age well. I mean, I agree with you 100%. They didn't do well continuity-wise in a lot of their things, uh, shows, movies, and stuff. But they probably just they probably just banked on the ignorance of the audience. You, know? you, you can credit this all to something that we've said before. I said said before that... I think a big issue that people have with the prequels in general was that Anakin and Obi-Wan, all these characters were younger than people thought they were going to be. Yeah. And yeah, you can look at Ewan McGregor's only 50 now. 
which means he was yeah. 33 when the 32 maybe even when they were filming Revenge of the Sith. He could have been 47 if they got like you know, and then it would have made more sense. It's just like people were not expecting them to be. You know what I'm trying to say? People thought, oh, 20 years ago, these guys must be like 60. Like when Vader died, he was only like 45. Yeah. I wouldn't know that. It looked like he was 60, 65 to me. Right. Yeah. I also want to give credit also to Steven Stan, the voice actor for Ben Kenobi. He did a good job challenging the Alec Guinness vibes when he was doing the Obi-Wan in that episode. No, that was definitely good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Also, let's stay on the topic of the movie characters here. One of the things that I noticed is kind of threaded through the season. They sort of use this space to sort of give backstory to some of the minor characters from the original trilogy we never really get about. Like, we get the backstory of Wedge here about how he was an Imperial defector and how he joins the Phoenix Squadron. He's working with them most of the season. You see Mon Mothma pop up for the first time since, epi- since episode three where she's, making, she's flying with the ghost crew and she's tr- like, giving them inspiration and then we see General Dodonna, who is in episode four, pop up at the end of this season. So, Nick, what do you think about getting some of these like minor characters, a little backstory here? We don't really get in the actual movie. Always great. Always great. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with Nick. I mean, I always love that extra story, just extra information that I could have with Star Wars. I think, like I said previously on this podcast, that's probably one of the main reasons why I said this was a great idea to do, because I always want to get more information. So, um, totally okay with it. I do think it works very well for like the characters, like your wedges and Mon Mothma's, where you don't get a ton of them in the movies. Where it's kind of hard, like what they were doing, they're bringing Leia and Lando. Like we know so much about them already, so you can only do so much. Whereas Wedge is a blank canvas, and you can really write your own story. Have Wedge have spent all this time with them and not really have it break your canon, Nick. Yeah, it's the same thing they did in the Clone Wars with a lot of the prequel characters. You know, you have a lot of these separatist leaders who were in one scene in the prequels and you get a little more out of them. You, you don't granted in the clone war or the clone wars, their main characters are still the main characters from episodes two and three, but still, you, you know, you're getting more information on those background characters, which is always nice. Yeah. Most of the Jedi council really picked up a lot of steam in there, Pete. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I, I, was, talk, I, was, I, was, talk, I was talking to Pete and saying how I feel like the Jedi council really gained a lot of ground in the, in the clone wars. Like a lot of the background guys that aren't, weren't Mace Windu or Yoda. I mean, they, they gained a lot of ground in a negative way. <laughs> I, I mean, I, we, we, we kind of bash. I, I mean, I shouldn't say, wait, let me talk about myself. I bashed the Jedi council probably for three seasons, yeah. maybe even more. So uh, yeah, like, look, this is, this is why being, a fan of something is so great with star Wars because there's so many avenues to learn so much more about characters that were playing minor roles in the movies. Right. Um, Would I have loved to seen more of this stuff in the movies rather than have to find out in a show in seven seasons worth of information, maybe, but I think this is what being a part of this star Wars fandom is. It's, 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 doing that information, uh, gathering that information through different avenues and understanding different viewpoints throughout the universe. Absolutely. And let's move on here to another interesting point of the season, which I think Nick alluded to several times here. We find the point where Agent Callus flips on the Empire, becomes one of the new fulcrums and is feeding the rebels information. We now ties out directly back to the episode from season two where he bonds with Zeb and Zeb saves his life. He returns the favorite by flipping on the empire here. And Pete, what'd you think about that turn for that character? 
I, I mean, I think it's great. I, I kind of saw it coming a little bit with the whole episode with Zeb. Um, I thought maybe, especially in the one episode, I can't remember the name of the episode. I thought that it was going to be like a one and done situation where it's like, okay, tell Zeb we're even like Callus said. But as a character, Callus turned out to be a better character this season than he was in the past two, in my opinion. I think he had a stronger season. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with him in season four, if he even is around for much of it, um, because I'm sh- there's a lot of open-ended questions, I feel like, after this season where there's characters we are waiting for to come back, maybe. Um, what exactly is going to wrap this up? So I'm curious to see how much they utilize his character, but he definitely had a stronger season this season, and and it was, I think he works better as a spy and as a fulcrum than, than an Imperial agent, personally. Yeah, and Nick, I think also the Callus arc, I think, does work a lot better here with the character flipping a little bit and finally having a purpose size being a useless villain and him realizing, you know what, like, these guys are not doing the right things and we have direct information here about this. I think it's fun seeing what happens to Callus. I agree. Um, I 100% agree. I am really, like, you know, let's say I was watching this for the first time, like you guys are, I'd be really happy that this happened. You know, because I'm sitting there like Callus. Callus sucks. Season one, season two, and now um, he doesn't. Like as simple as that. Like he sucked. Now he doesn't suck. It's a good move for the character. And yeah, I I don't know. Were you? I know Pete. You had said you were thinking it, Mike. Did you see it coming? I once they said of a second fulcrum, like it has to be somebody we know. That gave us another new character. I thought maybe they would find somebody who was out in the universe we haven't heard from yet. You didn't think it was Han Solo? I, I did not think it was going to be Han Solo because Han Solo, we know, is not getting involved with the Rebels until he acts, until he picks yeah. Luke up in Mos Eisley. I thought maybe it was like maybe one of these random side characters we hadn't see, we seen the original show, but in the original movies. I think having Callus do it, I think, makes a lot of sense. And what if it was Hunter? I thought it was going to be Ahsoka again. I thought what she was going to do was try to throw the scent off that she was still alive and say, okay, there's a second fulcrum. It can't be Ahsoka. But yet she was still helping from behind the curtain right like i thought it was going to be her and i thought callus's you know favor was going to be a one and done telling you know tell captain zeb we're even now but for it to come out what was it six episodes in maybe maybe a little bit sooner than that that he was helping from within i was like all right i kind of saw him like i thought callus toward the end of season four was going to do with like Darth Vader did with the emperor, like just turn and help them for the final thing and say, this is wrong. And that's how they'd end the season. I didn't expect it to be this early, but I kind of saw that change in him after that whole Zeb um, episode back in season two. Yeah. I think the callous character, I think he makes a big leap forward. Now I think let's get to some of the fun stuff here. Let's talk about like the stuff, the reason why we got into all this, which is these connections to the Mandalorian. We got a lot this season, starting with, the introduction of Grand Admiral Thrawn. And he's the reason that we had Ahsoka in Mandalorian saying, I'm going to try and track him down. I don't know exactly why yet. We'll maybe find out next season. But Nick, I love Thrawn. Thrawn's the villain the show desperately needed because he is calm. He's calculated. He's very methodical. Yet he's terrifying. I think he's a great villain to have on the show. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. He is really cool. He looks cool. He acts cool. He. I want to say he talks to talk and he walks to walk, but I haven't seen him do anything really yet, at least physically speaking. But I'm sure he will. Um, He's also 
been around in Star Wars for a really long time. He's been around in Star Wars. I mean, not canon. And this is his first canon appearance, but he's been in the Legends for like 20 years, 30 years before this. So this was like huge news when they brought him back. It was like people knew who he was, but as I mentioned, he would never, he had never been in anything, um, never in anything canon before. So like having him in there's, it's, it was a really big deal when it happened because it was like similar to when Darth Bane showed up in Clone Wars. It was like, if that can happen and this can happen, anything can happen. You could see the characters from the, the N64 game, Shadows of the Empire in this. Why not? They can show up one day. If they're in Star Wars in some capacity, they could become canon. Yeah, Pete, what were your first impressions of Thrawn? I mean, I, I think he's a great character. Um, I think it was smart to not bring him in until this, quote-unquote, late in the show. Um, not that because he's a bad character, but I feel like his character may get a little stale. Um, as Nick was saying, he kind of talks the talks, and we haven't seen him really walk the walk yet that much. We've seen what he can do to battle droids uh, that he fights with in his own office, you know, and he's definitely a, a, a well-versed person in combat. But very, very smart. And I just feel like having four seasons of him saying, I know exactly what they're going to do. Let them do it. And then we'll surprise them. And then it fails. If we did that four seasons straight, I feel like Grant, you know, Grant Elmer Thorne would be Thrawn, excuse me, will be very stale toward the end. I'm glad that they only brought him in season, you know, three. And then I'm assuming we're going to see him, uh, you know, a good amount of him in season four. So that way he stays relevant. He doesn't seem like a complete idiot because for four seasons, it's the same cookie cutter thing where, oh, let them, you know, for the whole season, do what they have to do. I know exactly what to do to pin him at the end. And then at the end, it doesn't work out like this season was. Um, it works for one or two seasons. I don't think it would work for four. Unfortunately for us, we had to deal with Inquisitors. Yeah. Um, those Inquisitors did bring back Mr. Maul in some capacity. However, Viewers had to deal with Inquisitors, but I think it pays off with now having two seasons of Thrawn. Yeah, Nick, the thing I like about Thrawn specifically is that like he's a lot more competent as a villain than like anybody else on the Empire side, short of Tarkin or Vader, because all the other people we've seen, whether it was Callus, Admiral Price, uh, all the re regular admirals who were making stupid moves with their ships and blowing things up, the Inquisitors, they all suck. Whereas like Callus trying to frame the other lackey for being the mole. And Thrawn's able to see right through it. I, I'm like, oh, wow. Somebody actually understands what the hell's going on because like, the other guys who have just bought that, like, cows keep leaking information for years. I think a good comparison is Thrawn in season three of Rebels is very similar to Tarkin in A New Hope. Just very, I don't know, he talks down to people, attitude with him, easily hateable villain. And I think there's a lot of comparisons you could draw there. Like the way he acts, very cocky, just seems very similar to how we were introduced to Tarkin back, you know, I guess we weren't alive, but you know what I mean? Yeah, episode back episode four and Tarkin first shows up, yeah. he's the same kind of character where he's cocky, but like he's very methodical. He does his homework. He under He's like, I want to understand my opponents, not just run at them with a the sword, which seems was the Inquisitor way of doing it was a problem. I think that all that makes him more engaging. It makes him more dangerous. Yeah, 100%. Star Wars, it's been said, you know, but Star Wars has this thing where all their villains are just incompetent. And I don't want to say there hasn't been smart villains, right? 
we look at, you know, Dooku in Clone Wars. We look at um, Darth Vader and the Emperor, obviously, during the um, during the whole takeover in Order 66 and everything. That was very methodical. I, I think it's because they want to show how off guard the Empire was, thinking they had everything done. We don't have to worry about anything anymore since the Empire started. But for some reason, I always got the vibe especially with the stormtroopers that they just didn't know what they were doing, that they took three prequel movies of methodical planning to make an empire. And then all of a sudden after that, they're like, we don't have a plan anymore. We're fine. It, it there were characters like now Thrawn, Tarkin, the emperor, but I don't know, even in the, la- the, the, the original trilogy, like the emperor didn't seem that smart. He just seemed confident. Right. It just seemed like he was kind of cocky and, and, you know, I could be wrong. And obviously everyone can have their own opinion on it. It just, I'm just so glad that we can get what I consider a competent villain and a competent just character in the empire's side. Yeah. Versus, Oh, well, I want to look good. So we're just going to attack and we're going to wind up dying because of it. So it, it, it's refreshing, but I still just always have in the back of my head that any empire villain that we meet is just going to be, for lack of a better word, dumb. They're just going to do the wrong thing, and the Rebels are going to take advantage of it. Yeah, it makes some sense. And we're going to put a pin in him, because I'm sure we're going to talk more about him next season. But the other big development here is we finally get more with the Darksaber and Mandalore. We find the Darksaber had all got it back, apparently. We don't know why they didn't show it in Season 7 of Clone Wars, but he has it. He loses it. Sabine claims it. And then we get her arc on Mandalore, where she actually leaves the team for a bit after she tries to convince her clan to restore the honor of the Mandalorian people. And they come back at the end of the season to help out with the finale stuff. But I thought the journey Sabine basically taking on the mantle of trying to help resurrect Mandalore. That was very fun, Nick. Definitely. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. If it wasn't for the dark saber, do you think we even would have watched Clone Wars and rebels? Nope. Maybe not. Right. Probably not. So yeah, it was, it was cool to see. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, the guy, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it, is it Gar Saxon? Yep. Yep. He's the one, Pete, that you were uh, making fun of in Clone Wars Season 7. What do you, because you, you were like, who is this guy? Like this mole Mandalorian looking guy. And I never realized that when I watched Rebels the first time that, that was him. So that was interesting to see him pop back up. Um, We'll talk more about this later, but the people that I can't stand is Sabine's family. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't stand them. But we'll, we'll we'll touch on them a little bit more later. But I hate them. <laughs> yeah, and Ursa Wren, her mother, is in Clone Wars. She's also there in the season seven finale arc. She's working with Gar Sax at that point. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, Pete, what do you think about Sabine's arc? Uh, by far, my favorite arc of the season. And I know we'll get to this, but a little spoiler for everyone that's listening in before we get to the favorite arc and the most hated arcs. Uh, my favorite arc of the season. Um, this was so interesting to watch because I don't know if you caught it. There was, there was a lot of like dark side training in this Kanan really plays upon emotion and like pain with Sabine. Yeah. And he's trying to get her to understand how to use the dark saber. And it's very not Jedi. Yeah. It's really not Jedi. Like he uses a very big tactic that a lot of the dark side force wielders use and i found that very interesting very very interesting that it was shown 
in a way to bring out her emotion to actually explain what happened and what the truth is. I think it was all well done. And I just, I, that part just stuck out to me. So just so much because it just, you you never hear Obi-Wan Kenobi taunt Anakin to try to make him a better fighter. Right. It was always like, be patient. Don't think about that stuff. That's the path to the dark side. Don't use your emotion. Meanwhile, yes, Sabine's not a force wielder, wielder, but hey, I'm going to piss you off and make you play on your emotions so you can become a better blade wielder. Um, and it it really stuck out to me. And I, what also stuck out to me too was, was the, the continuity between how Sabine left and also the the loyalty that Mandalorians have. I was happy that when Sabine showed up, the mother was just like, Oh my God, it's so great to see you. Like, I'm, I'm glad they treated it as such as you were disloyal. You tra- you're a traitor. You know, we can't just do this. And then of course the motherly instinct kicks in and she tries to trade the Jedi for Sabine's safety. And that backfires as these plans always do. Very, very good arc. Um, just very impressed by, by all the arcs that had to do with Mandalorian little choppy, right? Um, one of the soldiers they recruit, I forgot his name. That happens maybe six episodes before this or five episodes before this um, Sabine arc. So it's a little choppy about when he comes back into play, but very, very well uh, planned. Very, very well executed. Yeah, I think it was Fen Rao, I believe is the guy, Nick. I think that's it. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, I did like the point that Pete brought up about the... Uh, yeah, it's it's Fenrir, yeah. Yeah, Pete brought up about like Kanan training her using like, those dark side tactics. I think it makes more sense to think that because the Mandalorian people are not like a noble, like, pe- noble, like, patient fighting people. They're one where, like, you have to display dominance to claim the crown and basically be the top dog on Mandalore. So basically, he's giving her the skills that she needed to be able to effectively wield that Darksaber. Yeah, and that's, I mean, look at that. Sabine, one of our main characters, is now in control of the Darksaber. How cool is that? Yeah, it is cool. We're tracking possession of it, and at the end, we'll get to the tracker in a little bit, but she has control of it, and I thought it was cool that she basically decided, I know it's a goal towards the show, basically taking one of the main characters out of play for about six episodes there and say, you know what, she's staying with her people, which is the right move for the character, and not just shoehorn her into episodes just going, until we need her again in the finale. Question for the two of you. Did you, anybody, did either of you, realize when you watch the finale there was the mandalorian team with ezra right yeah and they were running and he's wearing the helmet because he's in space right you yeah. gotta breathe they just have their helmets on are those helmets supposed to protect them in space i that guess that didn't make any sense to me i guess so sabine was walking with her regular helmet on and ezra has like you know the astronaut helmet and all that and i'm like i'm thinking how is sabine okay like clearly air gets in there right it might be a, va- he's a vacuum He's a vacuum sealed yes, helmet. It must be, otherwise there would yeah. be no Sabine, right? What I what I also really liked about the arc was that she, you know, almost you know, the whole thing with, with Bo Katan, right, was that she didn't really earn the Darksaber. That was her like gripe in the Mandalorian. Sabine earns that Darksaber at the end of that arc. She earns it. At first, she just kind of grabs it from a cave and then she defeats the person that has wielding it. Granted. I guess Garth Saxon is the one leading Mandalore at the time, but I, I appreciate that she actually earns it. 
And then she says, I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to find a leader for Mandalore that's going to be better. And I feel like that's playing into the Bo-Katan character. You haven't seen Bo-Katan yet. I'm assuming she's coming soon. But let's get to the finale of the season here where we find out basically that the Rebels are planning a big, like, supply run or something like that. And Thrawn decides this is the time to go attack the base. He takes Callus out of play. He captures him. They basically have the Rebels trapped in a corner. And we had the moment where Ezra has to make the run to go get the Mandalorians to help. We have a big dramatic fight. They escape the planet. Nick, what did you think of this finale? I thought it was not as good as the last finale, but I thought it was good. I think my main takeaway with the finale is just a very, very drawn out backstory as to why the Rebels are at Yavin 4 and A New Hope. Not saying it wasn't good, not saying we didn't need it, anything like that. I'm just saying that's in reality well, all it really showed us was this is why they're at Yavin 4 because their old place got blown to smithereens. Yeah, I mean, I thought there were issues with it for sure. I think me, I think it was probably about like 15 minutes too long. I think they could have com- com- like actually added more in there if they could address by the episode length. But I did think Pete, the most effective part of the episode was when, Sat- when Sato sacrifices himself to let Ezra get out and save. The, get the help to save the crew so i thought that was a good point to show like that you know what like this is a cause a lot of people are gonna have to die for and he made the sacrifice make sure that everyone else could escape yeah i mean he makes that ultimate sacrifice and also two of his crewmates are like we're not going anywhere we're, we're making that sacrifice with you which i thought was was really cool um I have to, you know, again, I, I hate to make the podcast boring, but I have to agree with everything you said, Mike, and also Nick. I mean, it, it it's it's great, but it's not as good as season two's finale. Um, I think it's because there's just so many characters and so much more action that's, in our opinions, cooler in season two than what happened here. I mean, what happened here almost kind of reminded me of the start of Revenge of the Sith. Um, that kind of opening scene where they're just pretty much dogfighting in space and they're trying to get through a blockade. Um, I feel like we've seen that happen twice or three times in the movies and about 70 times in the Clone Wars in general. I mean, every other episode was a blockade. They were trying to get through for su- supply runs and everything. So it, it was very um, cookie cutter. And again, explains the whole Yavin 4 stuff. It was great. I just... I think season two's got its beat. It's got beat. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that, Nick. I think you, you said at the time, season two finale is the best the show has to offer, and nothing we saw in season three can top that. Nope. No, it was... It, I don't want to... I don't know how to word this. I guess, in reality, people want to see Darth Vader. <laughs> it's not really a coincidence. All the things that Vader's in, people love. All the things that he's not in, people don't like as much. Yeah, and he was not in the season at all. So, no, and and, and I I just mean in terms of like general like people like Star Wars Rebels. Vader's involved, or he's at least alive in the timeline. Clone Wars, he's alive. Movies, one, you know, what you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the original trilogy, and I think that's a good summary of the big plot lines I want to hit on. Let's get to some of our other points here, like to talk about here. So, favorite episodes here, Pete. Favorite episodes for the season for you. Yeah, so just to, to go back on it, I think the two-episode story arc with Sabine um, and the Darksaber, those were by far, in my opinion, I would even argue they're better than the finale, the strongest episodes of the season. Yeah, so you, you're on board with the Sabine stuff. Nick, any additions? Uh, the Sabine stuff, the finale was good. Obviously, my favorite episode was the, the Maul and Kenobi one. 
And I know we had mentioned off the air that you guys did not like the Geonosis one I did. I liked seeing the Geonosians again. You know, and I, I really liked um, the one with the, the droids. Oh, the you double know, the, the, the double agent droid. Yeah, the one with this 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 general Kalani, I think his name was. Yeah. Like that was cool to see them again, see them pop up. You know, they're fun. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, uh, I like a lot of the ones you mentioned here. I'll also throw in here. I like the one. I like the last battle where we see the battle droids come back and they see this Rex have to deal with the fact that you know, like they realize that they got played by by the Empire. The Empire ends up winning or they both lost. I thought that was cool to have that sort of late closure on the Clone Wars stuff. And then sort of them realize that, hey, like, we both got screwed. Let's work together to try and get out of ourselves out of this issue. I thought that was a fun episode. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think the highlight of the season has got to be the Mandalore and the and the Tatooine, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm also give a shout out to the Agent Callus stuff episode where basically we fought, see him trying work his way out of getting detected by Thrawn. I thought that was fun seeing him go behind the scenes and put in all that work, all that hustle to make sure he doesn't get caught right away. And it looks like he succeeds. It's just Thrawn is so good. They figured it out anyway. Yep. It's almost, it's like that thing they do. They just do that in movies and TV to make the villain better. Like he has no real evidence of it and he just knows for sure. Yeah. You know, and it just makes him seem so much more powerful. Yeah, let's go the other way. What the worst episodes of the season? Nick, you go first. Which ones really dragged you down here? Um, my least favorite episode was episode eight. It was the Iron Squadron when they ticked up another squadron, the anti-imperial people. I also hated the the one with the droid, and I think Wedge was in it. Yeah, the droid and Wedge towards the end. Oh, the one where the where the droid, where they send Wedge and the droids on the mission and and Chopper gets reprogrammed. Yes, and there was one more. I'm sure there was a Zed episode, right? Yeah, it was the, Zed was the one where they find the probe droid and Zed takes it into the base. I don't remember what. I can't even find that on my list of episodes here. 14. But that one too. Yeah, episode 14. 14 All right, so 8, 14, and 19. I hate it. Yeah, P, I saw you like make the grimace when you went back to that Iron Squadron episode. <laughs> Yeah, so that one that one was a filler episode for me. Didn't yeah. really have to me any sort of significance in the story arcs. My least favorite episode. We didn't have space whales, but we had space birds and a singing droid. And I swear to God, <laughs> that has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever seen in Star Wars ever. This droid is just in bliss singing while space birds are just fluttering around him. <laughs> oh, this is so peaceful. And then oh the they picked me back up. I'm pissed. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, can we look? We know Star Wars can't do love. We know Star Wars can't do a lot of things. Why are we getting these stupid droid arcs? It was good up until that part. I'll be honest with you. Was it my favorite episode? No, but it was like, okay, someone finally decided to play the old switcheroo on the rebels for once and say, let's mess with their droid and get it back to them so we can get information. Okay, that's smart. But now we got to get this passive aggressive droid in peace while birds are fluttering around him <laughs> singing i'm i'm sorry that no we we gotta stop we have to stop i i i don't want to see this crap in season four if i do i don't know if i'm coming on the podcast <laughs> I, I'll talk about all the episodes up until that that episode i'm not finishing the thing i don't care 
Yeah, so those ones I'll, I'll definitely second there. I think the one with Zeb is worse because I think Zeb just looks like a moron that episode where he basically takes At the probe some Like, there's context. Yeah. There's no context to a droid being in bliss and, and probably hallucinating, <laughs> which is a droid, space birds. Yeah. There's no reason. At least the Zeb episode, there's a reason for it. Yeah, I was absolutely. I'll throw out also, I'm with you on the Geonosis one. I was not, that did not hold my attention at all. I know they made a two-parter because they had Saw Gerrera show up and like they tried to make it all about him and it didn't really work for me. I'll also throw out there, the last episode where we saw Hondo in where he and Ars Morgan are basically trying to steal the uh, cargo off the Imperial ship, that did absolutely nothing for me because watching those two like argue over like one crate for half the episode was really, really dumb. I just don't think you like Hondo. I think it's a personal thing. From what I've gathered that episode supposed to be about Ezra seeing that Hondo's not what he thought he was and seeing how Hondo doesn't treat his crew with respect and how he doesn't he shouldn't trust Hondo anymore which good news for you means you might be seeing less Hondo yeah well Hondo looked like a moron that episode also I'm gonna point that out because like he and I's Morgan were, com- were completely useless in that in that episode well let me ask you this we have seen Hondo how many times now we'll get to that in a second you said Hondo looks like a moron. Hondo's definitely a moron. I think we need to know that by now. I mean, he has his high point. I think season five of Clone Wars is his high point. He's gone down ever since. Yeah, I think he's just like a... He reminds me of like Jack Sparrow yeah. in Star Wars. Just like a drunken, you know, thinks he can outsmart everyone guy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm out on Hondo again. I guess they don't really drink in the kids show, but... Trust me, he's he's a drunk. He got drunk in season five of Clone Wars. Yeah, that's true. He did. Yeah. I guess no drinking in Rebels, but he did drink in Clone Wars. Yeah, well, maybe it's harder to find the booze in the Empire Imperial Age. Yeah. All right. Let's get now to our trackers here. We'll have some fun with this stuff here. We got our trackers here, as we do always. We track a bunch of things on the podcast. So we're going to start off with Hondo, since we're at the, we left off here. We're now to 15 appearances for Hondo. He was in the two-part premiere. We didn't really talk too much about him there, where he basically cons Ezra into getting some stuff done, and he appears in that one episode. We're up to 15 Hondos, Pete. I mean, that's cool. I, I, I have nothing against him, but, you know, it, for, for me, the Hondo episodes have been filler episodes in Rebels, so we're seeing him a lot, but filler, just filler. Yeah, just fell over him. Bo-Katan still has not come back yet. She had nine episodes so far, and I'm sure we'll see her soon, Soon, Nick. I don't know. I don't know. I, I will see. We have 16 episodes left, and two of them are doubles. So what is... I can't think right now. I don't know what that means. 12? Yeah, so I think it's... On, on Disney Plus, it's 15 episodes. 14, right? On Disney Plus, they have a list that's 15, but the 15th is double. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know which ones are considered doubles and which ones are not. I, I don't know, based on, like, time frame and stuff. But, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if we run into this Bo-Katan person. All right. Next up here, the Darksaber finally updated. It finally resurfaced. It got three more times, episodes 311, 315, and 316. So I think, honestly, with that, we have a lot of Darksaber looking forward to season four. I think it'll be nice, Pete, to see where it goes from here. Dark Saber content is why we got into this, right? Um, 
I'm I'm really hoping for a big Mandalore story arc in this next season. I feel like we probably will get that. Um, I don't think Bo-Katan is just going to go missing after the Clone Wars. I think we're going to have some sort of closure as to what it was meant in the Mandalorian about Bo-Katan just receiving the Darksaber versus earning it. My prediction is that Sabine is going to say she cannot run the whole planet and she's going to give the Darksaber to Bo-Katan and that's going to be how she receives it and didn't really earn it. So that's my prediction. Um, it's probably an easy prediction to make as Sabine literally in this season was like, I'm going to find someone who can do this. I can't do it. You know, whatever. Um, so that's my prediction, but I don't think, I think we're going to have a lot more dark saber in the season. Uh, the final season of rebels. All right, let's well, go. I, I got to say this, just think about the finale we watched and think about how Ezra goes to Sabine on what's the planet. I think it's knowest. So, they're, it's in the Mandalore sector, so whatever. Yeah. They're in Mandalore. Um, and they're reluctant to come because they have something going on there, right? The Civil yeah. War. So, spoiler alert, where do you think we're going to start this next season? We're going right there. Yeah. So, we're going, we're getting the Mandalore. the Mandalorian. Yeah, we are going to get some Mandalorian stuff right away for sure. Let's get to some of the other trackers here. The movie characters tracker, which we changed after season two. That's the 31 appearances. We do have a couple of ones I want to question here. Pete, should we count the battle droids as being an appearance for a movie character? Why not? I mean, they, they, those are characters that we didn't see all Rebels. I mean, it took three seasons to get old battle droids from the Clone Wars to repopulate um, or repop up, I should say. So I would, I would say it counts. Yeah, Nick, you go, you, go, you go with that one? Yeah, I agree. All right, so that's two appearances for the battle droids themselves. And the other one I have to question here is episode 20. We see the silhouette of Luke Skywalker, and he's basically referred to as Luke, but we don't actually physically see him. Are we counting him, Pete? I'm going to say no. I mean, if you, if you can, like, let's say Obi-Wan during his episode, you barely see and can make out Zobi-Wan, I don't think you would count it yeah. as an appearance by him. So I'm going to say no on the Luke Skywalker appearance. Uh, Nick, how do you vote on that one? I, I think yes. Because he's physically... Just because... Yeah, I mean, he's there. He's, we, don't, we don't see him, but, we don't, but I think it's, it's pretty clear that it's Luke. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It is a tough one, but it's a much younger Luke, even though we see Leia like the season prior, pretty much running missions. Yeah, it's like a little boy that's running in the in the in in, in the desert of Tatooine. So, like the continuity errors that Nick was saying throughout Star Wars. Yeah, I'm gonna put that as an asterisk. We'll just we'll revisit that one at the end of this thing. We're up to 31 now. So new additions this season. We got Bail Organa back for an episode. Mister Maul appeared three times before he died. We got three from Wedge, two from the Battle Droids, one from Mon Mothma, one from Obi-Wan, and two from General Dodonna at the end of the season. So a lot of ground made up here for the movie characters, Pete. Yeah, I mean, this is this is fantastic. Uh, like I've said a couple times this podcast and, and previous episodes, I mean, this is what Star Wars is all about. Getting all these characters that we didn't really have much information about and, and showing us all this backstory so we can further appreciate those characters even though they have smaller roles in the movies. So um, definitely cool to see. All right. The Clone Wars character appearances up to 49 now. 
Pick up another 12 from Rex. We got Hondo three times. Shamsandula popped up again. Gar Saxon twice. Saw Guerrero twice. Ursa Ren twice. And I think Admiral Yularen, who is a Clone Wars character, popped up again. So there was a 49 there, Nick. I got a question for you on that. Did Gar Saxon and um, Sabine's mom count because they were in Rebels before they were in Clone Wars? Well, they did pop up in Clone Wars, so co- continuity-wise, they are there. If you want, if but, Reb, but, but Rebels was airing first. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I see what you're saying. Is, so you're saying you is it a is it a cameo because they were in this first? So you say basically you think that they don't think they should count on the list. I am not saying that. As more, as more asking, do you guys think we should think about that because this aired three years before Clone Wars did, so it's not really a cameo. If more anything, it's a cameo in Clone Wars. I, right? I would, I would say. I would say because we're doing this podcast the way we are, it would count. I think if we were watching it, like if it was on TV, we wouldn't be saying it. But I think because the way we've been doing the podcast, tracking people from what we've seen prior, I think that would count. I mean, because you could say the same thing, like we already knew Darth Vader in episode you know, four, five, and six, you know, let's say as young children, we watched one, two, and three first. I feel like we would still count Darth Vader going forward. So maybe, maybe we can use that logic. I don't know. I mean, I'm cool with whatever. I just feel like it probably does count. I think it does because of, for the purpose of our tracker here, where we went in, in canon or not exactly airing order. Okay. Yeah. That's fine with me. All right. The last to the chopper kill count only picked up one this season, up to 50,020. He shorted out one droid episode, too. They really shot away from Mur- chopper murdering people, Pete. Slacking, he's slacking. Yeah. I want 100,000. Like, I don't understand why they couldn't do that. The John Wick of Star Wars is chopper. <laughs> we need we need him to blow up more ships. I mean, I really think season four, he's got to do half a million. Yeah, we got to get it done. He's we'll got figure it out. Yeah, we got we have to get him up there. And what's his kill count out? 50,020. Like 50, um, is that did we just talk about this already? I don't remember. Is that the highest in Star Wars or is Luke I, higher for the Death Star? We said Luke, we said Luke is higher. Then we came up with Chakra being top five. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, Anakin's probably pretty high too. Yeah. Anakin, well, droids don't count, right? No. I think we are count for a Kim, we're kind of droids because he is basically a droid on droid murder. Yeah. But Anakin just like kill all the battle droids he killed over the Clone no, Wars. No, they, that, they, don't, they don't count for him. Yeah. All right. Okay. And our last tracker here, the episodes on the Sabine, Zeb, Hera, focus on them. We're up to 13 now. We had one each for Zeb and Hera. We had one, two, three, four. I like they want to say it was four or five on Sabine this season. So Sabine obviously took the lead here because they finally figured out that like she's their best non as non Jedi character on the show. Well, what if I told you before the show that roughly one quarter of it would be an episode like that. I think that's pretty high, right? Yeah. So that's, you know, that's pretty good. And not even counting Chopper, who got, who's got, who's got one episode each in season two and season three. And I don't like either of them. Yeah. I like season two is a lot better than season three. Space birds. Yeah. All right. Let's get now to the next part of the process here. Go to the MVP and LVP boards here. So, to reset where we are after season two on the season Rebels MVP LVP rankings here, Ahsoka Tano, for, after her work in season two, is at the top at plus three. 
Then we have a tie at plus two, a five-way tie between the Grand Inquisitor, Hera, Sabine, Mr. Maul, and Chopper. Then we have at plus one, Tarkin and Kanan. Now we have the negatives. Gavrov Lothal, negative one. Lando at negative one. Hondo at negative one. Zeb is negative two. Ezra and Team Inquisitors are negative three. And Asian Cal is bringing up the rear at negative four. So let's go ahead now to our MVPs. Pete, you want to start out here? Who's your first MVP of season three? First MVP is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, just a fantastic villain. Very, very smart, well thought out villain. Um, maybe a little too confident. Again, that's just kind of how Star Wars is gone. You have the confident evil empire getting outsmarted by the rebels and they, the rebels find a way to defeat them. So I have to give my first MVP to Thrawn. Nick, first MVP. Agreed. He's menacing, awesome villain. And there's not really anything else to add about what he's done. I want to say I'm so excited to see what he does. And I want to see, and not only in this show, I want to see what goes on in the live action stuff. Soka said, where is he? I want to know what's going on with, with that. Especially with the way this show ends, it's kind of surprising to hear her say that. We'll get there in a month. Yeah, so I'm going to complete the family play on Thrawn. Go three for three here. Like I said, fantastic villain. Snuffs out Callus as the bad guy and nearly ends the Rebels at the end of the season. That's a far greater cause than I think probably best Imperial Agent we had since Tarkin season one. So I can nearly end in the Wolfball Rebels. So good job by Thrawn this season. Nick, you want to go with your now next up here, the second LVP? Yep. I'm sorry, you want me to do it? Oh, oh, MVP, excuse me. Oh, um, Sabine. Sabine is awesome. She is, she started off as like the quote unquote pretty girl of the crew and Ezra had the crush on. And then she became a badass and now she's become a badass with a lot of responsibility who's grown as a character even, even more than just that. And She's a great character. She's my favorite character in the show. She always has been. And I think this is the season that it really shows. Pete, second MVP. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Sabine as well. I think the Darksaber helps her out a ton when it comes to MVP. Um, but she's always been a strong character. I don't think I've ever had a bad thing to say about Sabine. I mean, I think a lot of the main characters have gotten some sort of criticism from me except for Sabine. So I, I have to give her an MVP point. I think her, she starts the storyline for the Mandalore arc that's going to really take off next season. All right. I'm going to complete the family plans of being too. As I said, just a huge personal growth season for her where we see a lot where she basically showed up in season one, as Nick said, the story of just like the pretty girl fighter that Ezra likes. And all of a sudden now she's becoming a leader. She's taking on the dark side. She's trying to reunite her people and, She's t- doing the right thing when Ezra comes for help. She says, we got to help them. They helped us. So good job. Season by Sabine. So plus three each. So now we're up to the final MVP here. So Pete, you want to start us off for this round? If you have any honorable mentions to you, feel free to throw them in here. Um, so I'm going to give my MVP, my last MVP point to Agent Callus. I think his development this year, this season, excuse me, has been through the roof. He starts out the typical whatever kind of agent in the empire that just kind of always just lacking. Like he just never quite there, even though he was like, you know, a star pupil in the Academy and everything like that. 
Um, and to see the turn of events that happened to make him a rebel spy, really, really strong character this season, in my opinion. Um, honorable mention for me is Mr. Maul. Um, I do like Obi-Wan Kenobi's character. I just don't think he has enough going on this season to give him an MVP, but I did like the few instances we do see him in that episode. Um, so those would be my honorable mentions. All right, Nick, final MVP. Let's throw your honorable mentions in there too. Uh, my two honorable mentions are Callus and Maul. And my last MVP I'm going to give to Ezra. I think Ezra, I'm not, I'm not ashamed he's the main character anymore of the show. He's made big strides and he is becoming a main character. He's more of a leader. He's more of a grown Jedi. I wish they made him look a little bit older. He's supposed to be like 18. He kind of looks, he still looks like he's kind of 14, but um, I think he grew a lot as a character. And as I said, I'm not ashamed of him being the main character anymore. And he gives, he gives leader vibes off and he, I, he doesn't like require assistance in battle anymore. Like he can lead a battle. He can lead an attack. And I think that's very different than it was in season one and even season two. Yeah. So I'm going to throw my honorable mentions out first. I had Callus as an MVP honorable mention because for all the reasons Pete mentioned, I have one for Obi-Wan for when he shows up. He does good work when he's there. But again, one episode, about like five minutes, not enough to give him an MVP point. I'm going to give the MVP point to Sato here for making the ultimate sacrifice. And he was a valuable member of the Phoenix squadron before that. And without him, Ezra's not getting through their whole effort ends. If Sao doesn't decide to make the sacrifice play to let Ezra get the help they need to save the rebellion. So Sato gets an MVP for me. That's yeah. Great. That was great. Sacrifice is always a good thing. All right. Now this is where we're going to have some fun. The LVP of season three. Pete, you want to lead us off? Um, Kanan, it's got to be my first one. Don't really like how he handled um, the first part of the season. Um, I also, he, he develops, but I, I just, he always, again, was someone that was just lacking to me. Like, yes, he helped Ezra. He made Ezra who he, who he is when it comes to a Jedi, but just always was just like, Oh, well, I don't think I have anything more to teach you. Like at the end of the season, Ezra's like, what do you mean? Like you can keep teaching me how to be a good person and stuff. Like it just, he just always seemed to be like, well, I, I don't know what else to do. And, and he's not that nonchalant about it, but it, it just always bothered me as someone who's supposed to be this, this, this leader, this, this, um, you know, role model that that was the attitude. And those were the things coming out of his mouth sometimes. Um, and then being blind, he was using as an excuse. And then he finally figures out how to use the force to, to see and stuff. So I'm, I'm going to give him an LVP. All right. Uh, Nick, your first LVP. Also Kanan. Um, for the reasons that Pete just said, and then also what Pete just said to me adds to why I have Ezra as an MVP. It's that he had no guidance from Kanan. He just like wasn't there. And he was like, I don't know. He just wasn't there like half the season. And Ezra was still able to do what he was able to do without any leadership at all from Kanan, which he should have been there. And also Kanan's supposed to be, in my mind, the second main character after Ezra. And in this season, it doesn't seem like it at all. He seems like the fifth main character, barely. He's just not there. He doesn't make it. And the stuff he's in with the, the Bendu and the stuff, it's just like, you know, I know I already know where you're going with the Bendu, Mike, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it doesn't 
doesn't hit at all. All right. My first LVP, and I wanted to avoid Kane because I just felt like this had cannon fodder to do that. So I'm gonna, I went some different directions here. I'm going with AP5 as my first LVP of the season because I know Pete loves this. This character, they tried to make this, they made the C3PO R2D2 dynamic with him and Chopper. It does not work. He's extremely annoying. And we get the episode where he's following Wedge into the bathroom. We've even mentioned that part of that stupid episode. There's just trying to just get a hold of the whole Chopper as being in program thing. Then we have him singing in space where he's on hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic drugs or whatever. He's seeing space birds. Like, I don't know what we're doing with AP5. Like, well, I don't know why we did this. So he gets an LVP number one from me. Well, Mike, there's one thing about him. I agree with you. He, he's horrible. But there's one thing that you have to realize with him that makes it so much better than it could have been. He easily, easily could have been a droid that doesn't talk. And it would have been Wedge by himself, the only speaking role in the episode. Yeah. And at least there are two people talking. Yeah, we got past the point that where we actually had to fo- have him follow Wedge to the bathroom. At that point, I'm like, once I saw that, see, like he's getting the LVP regardless of what else he does this episode. So that was like more ding on the writers. But AP5 gets it for me. Uh, I agree. And just thank God he could talk because if he couldn't, it would have just been 22 episodes of Wedge talking to himself. Yeah. All right. Uh, Pete, second LVP. Uh, going to give it to Zeb. He just decided to go check out this random droid that because he was bored, he didn't want to be on the base because the rest of the crew like left them for a uh, what was it a um uh like that just like a training exercise that they left for. I I mean like he, he gets himself out of trouble too. But again, AP five. If it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have executed that plan toward the end. I just Zeb just is just stupid. He's just another stupid character. Just brute force. Doesn't know what the hell's going on. Just I, I again like we don't. We don't need, a, I guess we do, we don't. We don't need that kind of character every single Star Wars that we have. I mean, it's like, it's not every single Star Wars, but it's, it's close. We just don't need Zeb. I'm sorry, I just don't like the character. Zeb's getting an LVP. All right, Nick, your second LVP. My second is Sabine's family. So, so Clan Ren. The, the mother and the, the brother, really. I guess you could say, yeah, you could say Clan Ren. It just like family first and yes at the end of the day they come around but the fact that they have to think about it and toy with the idea of not helping her and like making it seem like they were turning like when the the brother what was his name by the way was it his name tristan i think something like that which completely threw me off when we're talking star wars we have guys named han and the only normal name i've ever heard in star wars is luke pretty much you have like crazy names of all these people and there's a guy named tristan <laughs> seemed weird but like the fact that he even like he pointed the gun to Sabine even for a second is just like insane to me and I, I, as soon as I saw that I'm like is this guy serious yeah. like that that really rubbed me the wrong way that they would even consider not helping their family yeah alright so that's that's your second LVP I'm gonna go I, I thought about Zeb for a minute I'm gonna leave Zeb alone since Pete pretty much summed it up here I'm gonna give one to Wedge because Wedge is a bit of a dope most of the time he's around like, Wedge is not a very good season. Apart from, I mean, his defection plan is horrible. He basically lets the, and Chop, he's a big part of the whole problem with Chopper being able to steal all the plans and all that stuff. Not a good year for Wedge. You're getting Wedge and LVP. And it's upsetting. It's upsetting because Wedge is a, a classic character. Yeah, not, not a good arrival for Wedge. He has a couple of dopey moments in the season. And with that, I think... 
I'm going to start out the third round of the MVPs here. I'm going to go to Bendu. Because Bendu might be the worst character this show has ever created. We get him in the beginning of the season. He is a basically some sort of like living tree frog. I don't know what the hell you want to call him. And he is like a, again, language for the kids. He's a petty bitch the entire season. Like literally this guy just sits there like, I don't want to get involved. You guys suck. Like you're bringing more to my planet. This is a, another ripoff too uh, from Avatar The Last Airbender because there is a character in the last season called the Lion Frog where he basically teaches Aang how to energy bend and Bendu looks exactly the same thing as this guy and he's awful. He whines, he complains, he throws a lightning storm in there, basically almost kills the rebels on their way out of the base. Why the hell do we need Bendu? So negative point for Bendu. He absolutely deserves it. Uh, I'm with you. I'm giving it to Bendu as well. Uh, I, I enjoy the idea of Bendu having a gray Jedi, someone who's in the middle, who's not a good guy, not a bad, or I guess not a good guy, anyway, not a Jedi, not a Sith. I enjoy that concept of it, but like you said, he sits back, he doesn't do anything, goes crazy. And I also mentioned at, I also want to mention at the end, is he up there shooting the lightning yes. down? Yeah, he's the one. He's he's trying to kill them on the so, way out. So is he fly? Is he flying? We don't know. He's got like some sort of like. That's what I'm power. saying. Like it didn't make any sense. He looks like he's a pretty big guy. I don't think he can jump. Like I and could. I it could. made me think he was kind of projecting that lightning from somewhere else. And if that's the case, that's something that if that happened in live action, people would be going crazy about how can he project and then do something like what Yoda did and the the last Jedi. Everyone threw a fit. So I guess forced. Ghosts can control things that happen in real time. So why did Obi-Wan Kenobi say, I can't help you in in um, the original trilogy to Luke, even though he could have, like stuff like that, people throw a fit over. So people throw a fit if that was in the live action. In fact, it's in a cartoon, no one seems to say anything about it. And it makes me think it is the case because when Thrawn goes to go find him and shoot him later, he's just laying there. Yeah. Makes me think he was projecting himself. And the fact that no one would bring that up because it's a cartoon is annoying. I could not stand Bendu. Like he irritated me every time he came on the screen. Like, but my, my honorable mention for LVP is Zeb, and I didn't want to give it to him just because he sucks. I don't dislike him. It's just, it's not his fault. I want, but like, yeah, we don't need another wrecker and sorry, Zeb. Like I feel bad for Zeb because he's not like a, an ass. It's just, we don't need you. Yeah. And Pete, your file LVP. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll clean sweep with Bendu. I mean, I another character that just makes no sense to me. The force and just to not liking Zeb. He was supposed to be like a high ranking officer of his kind. How how, how dumb is that military? <laughs> a high ranking like a captain, right? Like how how bad is everyone else that this guy can barely keep a, a their own base together for a half a day? So yeah, just sorry, sorry. I keep laying into to, to Zeb, but just a terrible character. I feel bad for Zeb because he's not like a, like I said, he's not he's not an ass. So it's like yeah, no, I agree. It's he's, just yeah, it's, he's incompetent. So poorly written. Yeah, he's a captain. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, like they tried him in season two. Then they said, oh, we got nothing. And then they like sitting here like, oh, what should we do with the, the Zeb episode? And like, oh well, we'll make like a misadventure with the droids. Like that's all they came up with. They had nothing left for him. Yeah, it almost makes me want to give it to like switch one of mine to the writers, but I think I'm gonna leave it alone. So he seems like right now Zeb's only good doing is 
kind of like making Callus see things the other way. Yeah. And right now he's tied for the bottom on the LVP board with Team Inquisitors and Bendu. So that's a hell of a trio to be part of. Yeah, that's another reason I had to give Ezra an MVP. I, he's not that bad. Like, yeah. Ezra's okay. I can't have him on the bottom of the list. Like, he should be in the middle. And Cal- uh, Callus also, you guys giving, Callus getting the point. Also, he's in that pile, too. So he's in the four-way uh, pile for last place. Okay. Callus hopefully can get out of there a little bit. Yeah. It's hard to forgive what he did in the first two seasons. Yeah, so I think also, I was surprised AP5 only got one LVP point from me. I thought he, for sure Pete was going to dig him. I mean, I I would say more the space birds and him trying to sing. I give that to the writers. If <laughs> I mean, it's just like who? I don't think I've ever heard any main Star Wars character sing. And I'm not talking about like the Cantina band. I'm talking about main character. Like, what if Anakin Skywalker started humming as he was shooting down <laughs> like ships? Can we like? Uh, it's all right. We're over it. You know, I'm thinking about it. I don't. I think you're right. I, don't, I never heard anyone sing. I feel like there might have been humming from Jar. Jar. Yeah, Jar Jar didn't even sing, and he's the only idiot that would sing in Star Wars, and he didn't even sing. But you got this stupid droid who thinks he knows everything because he's a droid. Ah, I'm the best singing with birds. Get, get, just we're over it. It's I think. Okay. Yeah, I think the closest we came was I think Benicio del Toro's hacker and. and uh, in the last Jedi was was humming along a song as he was like picking a lock. I guess the closest we come to anybody singing Star Wars before this. If you wanted, you know what we should have done. We did the movie rankings. We should have did an MVP LVP for all the movies. I think it's got to be a separate. That's a separate podcast. We go through yeah. Movie. And I'll tell you, the LVP for all Star Wars is that character to me in the Last Jedi. I thought that was the worst character in all of Star Wars. Benicio del Toro. I forgot, I forgot the character's I, I, name is the the DJ. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. But for another time. For another time, um, last but not least here, let's get to the season rankings. And right now, it's gone in chronological order. Season 2, Season 1, and then the shorts are are 1, 2, 3 in that order. So, Pete, are we putting Season 3 at the top of the list, or do you have it somewhere else? You know, this has been something that's been tough for me because Season 3 has consistently been better, right? It's been yeah. It's just been a consistent season that was good. But the finale was not as good as season two. For the sake of saying the season by season ranking, I would have to put season three above season two because I don't know if we can just base a whole season ranking off of a finale and a couple of good story arcs. I feel like even though the finale of season three was not as grandiose as season two, except for maybe one or two throwaway episodes it was consistently really good so i'll have to put three over two nick agree with that i do for the exact same reason season three is a better season than season two and we're ranking seasons yeah yeah i I agree i'll complete the census here just because i feel like season three consistency i think is the king because there are a lot fewer potholes than there were in season two. I think season two, as we said, higher highs, lower lows. I think there are fewer lows in season three. Yeah, there's only three or four. Yeah, maybe about everything else is pretty good. You get about seven lows in season two, we might guess. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. 
All right, and that's it for season three. Nick, coming up next month, we have the last season of Rebels. We have to look forward to here. Besides, you mentioned earlier the Mandalore stuff coming back. See again. the Mandalore stuff. We have. Um, it's cool to see like Yavin Four. You know, you see it in Rogue One. You see it in uh, New Hope. Like it could be cool to see it and like that be the base. Obviously, we have the finale of the show coming up. We only have sixteen episodes total. Whatever you said it was, like fifteen. I don't remember exactly. Um, so that's obviously exciting also. And then I think it's a little crazy to think, but there's a character who's going to show up in season four that hasn't shown up yet. And if you think about it, he's probably the most important person in the galaxy right now. Yeah. think we can say it out loud. Yeah. The emperor. Yeah. And what I love about this show, we'll discuss it in detail, but he shows up in this show as Sheev Palpatine, not as the Sith Lord Darth Sidious. And I've always made me wonder what does the un- the galaxy, like, how do they know the Emperor? Do they know him as an evil guy with, like, deformed and the hood? Or do they know him as the same way they knew the Chancellor? And, like, I still don't know the answer to that, but I want to discuss that more on the next podcast. Like, we'll see him. And it's cool. And it always makes me wonder that, like, what goes on on Coruscant right now? The Imperial Senate is still a thing. It doesn't get shut down until the beginning of episode four. So, like, there's I really wish they would show us that stuff in some sort of canon. I'm sure there's books and comics about it, but I really want to see that on, like, a show or a movie. It's like, see what's going on on Coruscant during the age of the uh, the age of the Empire. All right, so that's stuff to good stuff to know. And before we wrap up here, we are recording on November 2nd. The trailer for Book of Boba Fett dropped yesterday. And we'll talk about it for a minute here. I thought this was so cool. I was looking forward to it. Not, we have not seen live action Star Wars in almost a year at this point because Manda's season finale, season two, aired right before Christmas a year ago. So we get the trailer. We basically get to see that Boba Fett is trying to take control of the underworld on Tatooine. It's got a lot of Godfather vibes to it. He has to try and rule differently than Java. Pete, what did you think when you saw it? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a really cool concept. I didn't, you know, I didn't know which way it was going to go. Um, I don't know if this was something that was known to Star Wars fans about how Book of Boba's storyline was going to be, but I think it's very cool that he's trying to step into Jabba's kind of role um, and to try to run it differently. Production seems insane for a show. I'll be honest with you. Just, you know, just... I, I know that this is the way of the Star Wars universe now. We probably won't get, in my opinion, movies for a while. It's probably going to be a lot of just shows, right? We have the Ahsoka show. We have, you know, Bad Batch is still a thing. Um, we still have the Obi-Wan show. We still have Mandalorian. Now we have Book of Boba. There's an insane amount of production into this trailer. So I can only imagine what the show is going to be like. So I'm very excited for some live action Star Wars again. Like you were saying, Mike, it looks like it's going to be good. Yeah, Nick, what do you what did you take away from it? Yeah, uh, I agree with with Pete with the the show. But they say this Rogue Squadron movie is coming out next year, or I guess two years. I just I, I don't. Or is it next year? I think it's 23. I just don't. I don't know. I just I just <laughs> maybe I, wait till I see a trailer or get an official release date. But I, I, honestly, I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to come out, yeah. but when it does, you know, I'll, I'll, I will say I was wrong, but the trailer was awesome. You know, it's something that people wanted to see for a long time in Star Wars, just like an, ex- an exploration of the underworld. More so on Coruscant, not on Tatooine, but that's not going to be picky and complain about that. 
I don't think this is what the show is going to be about, though. I don't think that's going to be interesting enough for the common fan. People were really interested in the Mandalorian because they brought in Baby Yoda. And people were and people who didn't like Star Wars could like him. You know, like Grogu is a likable character from anyone. I just don't know if Boba Fett going around Tatooine fighting with other bounty hunters and trying to take control of the underworld is going to appeal to the average fan. And I don't think that's the route they're going to go. I think that's going to be a, a main plot in the story, but I think there's going to be something else. There's going to be someone else from the past in there. And we're going to have more of a relation to old star Wars because I just don't see them going that route. You think it's a little, the will of miss like misdirect you by omission. You think there's like a plot piece of the plot they're hiding from us. Yeah, because I just don't think this alone would be not that it wouldn't be good. I would love it. I'm sure it'd be great. I just don't think it would be nearly as good as um, Mandalorian. How? I'm sorry to interrupt. How far since Order sixty six is is um, Book of Boba? Well, Nin- nineteen plus twenty three plus five. All right, so it is a good amount of time because I was going to say no, no, no. I did that wrong. Nineteen plus four plus five. Yeah, because basically, I think Mando is nine What's years that? after after A New Hope. Yeah, so still so twenty eight. Say if it was if it was early enough, because we're talking about underground and contracts, they could have tried to done a bad batch thing, and brought them live action. But it just seems like it's too far ahead. Yeah, twenty eight would be fifty six in clone years, so they're probably like yeah, they're probably old. Yeah. yeah, so so that probably wouldn't work. They're probably alive, but barely. Yeah, right. It wouldn't work for the unless they again unless they pull the continuity crap like they would do with Bo-Katan and they just brought the bad batch in, right. you know, like. But yeah, a couple of thoughts. We'll do a proper bad like a Boca Boa preview closer to it. We get more information. I have two. That's thoughts. another thing, though. Real quick, Mike, is you said the Bo-Katan thing. Bo-Katan was in the other show. She could pop this up. This is still the same. You know, this is a spinoff of Mandalorian, if anything. So there's no reason we can't see Ahsoka and Bo-Katan and Mando himself. What Mando, whoever the girl is that I would forget her name, the Sasha Banks plays Bo-Katan's friend. Like, there's no reason we can't see these characters. Yeah, I'll throw them out there. I think Omega. Omega. Omega was one I was gonna throw out because she's no, a no, a, no. a normally Asian clone. So like, and she- Boba Fett's sister. Yes, they they could be doing the live action meetup here. I'm putting my money that we see Omega in that show. I also throw out here. I mean, like in terms of underworld connections here. I mean, in terms of characters we've seen in these animated shows. Don't say it. Don't say it. No, I think there's two I throw out here that we have not that we have not seen them actually die on the screen. One is Hondo. Huh. Uh, he he's yeah, old, but I he could I be there. I could see him showing up. I feel like they've, I mean, he's in friggin' Disney World. They like, might as well just bring him on live action. And the other one who I think you're going to say I want, but I don't think it's possible. Cad Bane. Say it. Yeah, I don't think it's possible, but I would love that. Cad Bane too, yeah. I think he's going to be, I think he's way too old at that time. Yeah, well, it, dep- it depends because you don't know how some of these alien species age. That's true. That's a good point. You have no idea. Yeah, I think I think a lot of these bounty hunters we know are we haven't don't have a uh, locked up fate on like Aura saying you know dead. I went nuts when he showed up in Bad Batch. Yeah, I think and we had Fennec Shand appear in Bad Batch. Like so, mm-hmm. she already mm-hmm. has a run had running with Cad Bane in the past, so it's possible he pops true. up to make something interesting here. That's very true. So those are the three we'll look out for, I guess: Cad Bane, Hondo, and um, 
Who the one I just said? Omega. And then obviously all the characters from Mandalorian. Yeah. So so I'm going to throw an even crazier one out there because Ahsoka, what about Ezra? I feel like Ezra's well, young. You, um, so let's just say we have another season of Rebels and we don't know his fate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, like the couple, we'll discuss afterwards some of the Rebels characters. I feel like some of them are also candidates to pop up in here because, like, especially Mandalorian connection, Sabine, maybe. Thrawn. Thrawn. Sabine. Well, we have to see who survives this last season. Yes, that's true because you figure that there's got to be something crazy happening here at the, at the end of the season. Think about this, this before we, you know, close it off here. We've gone three seasons, 59 episodes of this show. Has anyone died? Sato, that's it. Sato and the grant of the Inquisitor from the first season. What was his name? Maul died. Maul died. Not uh, many people have died, right? Not, not many main people. And the governor of Lothal gets murdered. Yeah, but so we have another season. Another 16 episodes, whatever the number is. And they know who survives. And they knew they were in the show at that point. What's that? And they knew they were in the show at that point as well. Yeah, this was announced to be the last season, and it is a finale. It's not just the last episode. Like that, you know, this brings good closure to the show. So, you know, we will see. Absolutely. And I want to. There's actually another character. And Mike, I want you to write this down. Okay, I'll write it down right now. Remember to bring this up when we talk about Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Or we could even bring it up in the season four because I can't mention it yet because you guys don't know this character exists yet. Yeah. But there is a character who appears in season four of Rebels that I think has a very realistic chance of showing up in the Book of Boba Fett, but I can't say who it is yet. Okay, so I'll I'll write this down for when we do season four. I'll I'll have you bring it up again and we talk about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. And I want to thank you guys for hopping on here. P, how can you follow social media on some of the stuff you're up to? Yeah, at PJ Considori29 on Twitter. A lot of so a lot of controversial stuff happening in the NHL right now. So definitely take a peek at my Twitter and also if you're a hockey fan, maybe do a little bit of reading on the Chicago Blackhawks and everything going down with them. So um, follow me there. All right. And Nick is not announcing yet, but maybe time for Kabobo. We'll think, we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, I'll always throw out someone else you could follow based on what's going on in my life. And right now you can follow at Braves. That's the Atlanta Braves because they are taking down the Houston Astros, those cheaters, and will be the World Series champs. Uh, don't remind me. I'd rather I'd rather a rival than a cheater. Well, they're my rival, so for me, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yep, thanks, Mike. All right, and that is it for our first episode of the week. I want to thank our guests, Pete Considori and Nick Friday, for hopping on the line to spend almost an hour and a half breaking down Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels and looking at the Book of Boba Fett trailer. Remember, stuff like this podcast, including my instant reaction to the Jets-Colts Thursday night game last week, Broke it down on the on the website. Check out the blog or just on the suffering.wordpress.com. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for just and the suffering your favorite podcast platforms. You can find all episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starrings well help with the podcast even better going forward. You can also check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The video version of this chat with Nick and Pete is going to be up on the YouTube channel. Again, that is Mike Phillips on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. It's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. That'll do for our first podcast. We'll be coming out on Thursday, the second episode. We'll do our NFL midseason report, the NFL picks, and more. Until then, have a good week, everybody.
This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.